Hello guys, Steve Tate here, hope you're all well. It's our first show back in, what, about 15 months, something like that. We're a little bit rusty, I think, at the start, Rusty Milio. That's the first of many Sopranos references. It's a bit of an ode to Paulie Walnuts, Tony Sirico, who we lost last week. Obviously, we've always been alongside a sports and betting podcast, a bit of a Sopranos reference heavy podcast. So, yeah, plenty of Paulie in there today. We're looking at the golf, the openers on as I record this. We've got a few bets running in there. A little bit of a Wimbledon review, working out whether Kyrgios is a cult hero or a gobshite. We've got the Keegans of the week. We actually didn't get round to the unlikely lookalikes. We've got a big batch of them, but we'll throw them out on the next show, maybe, or, or online. As always, if you've enjoyed the show, give us a little rating, give us a review, and definitely subscribe. Share us around your socials if you uh, if you enjoy what we do here, this shambolic sports show that we put together. Hopefully, we'll be doing maybe bi-weekly going forward. I am. Um, Popey seems to have opened up his diary. We're going to have an audience with the Pope on the regular, maybe at least for the next couple of months. But I think he needs the ratings to go up <laughs> if he's going to carry on with this. We're also previewing the UFC a little bit. With more talking about Paddy Pimlet, Paddy the Baddy, what we've what we've been seeing from his from his YouTube channels. All the usual funnies, all the usual sound clips. I hope you'd enjoy it. And uh, I'll catch it online. Give us a shout at Gambling with the Pope. Take it easy. You look stressed already, you Popey. Can you hear me? And headphones don't look like they're going to do you much good. Can you hear me? Oh, yeah. Oh. Uh, have I got my headset on? Huh? Yeah, that sounds good. Slightly reluctant to wear my headset because whenever we do video content and I'm wearing the headset, I come in for a bit of heavy like so. <laughs> I mean, you do look like a fucking Warhammer regular. You look like a gamer. And you're eating a banana on top, okay? No euphemisms, please, Stephen. Mm-hmm. I can't take you serious while you're eating a banana, you know, it's... Got to be done, Steve. I need a little uh, little energy boost and diet and aren't I? Come what? back from Turkey and I'd put half a stone up. Still can't shift it. Have you not shifted it yet? No. No, no. So I'm having to uh, swap them those pan of chocolates for something a little bit more healthy. Ah, yeah. So banana. Really the only fruit I eat. Well, strawberries from time to time, but you know me, mate, when it comes to me, uh, me palate. Quite Brexit. Exactly. Quite Brexit. bananas progress. Brexit Palace from Brexit Boy. Brexit Diet, you've got, haven't you? Um, well, go ahead, lad. The sound sounds okay. Should we kick this off then? Yeah, yeah, if you want to. Yeah. I thought we'd start it, to be honest with you. Well, where do you want to start? I mean, what can we say? I've not spoke to you online for what? About 15, 16 months, something like that? Either near 18 months, to be honest with was you. Was it? Yeah. No, I think it was April, wasn't it, the last show? I don't know. Yeah, either near 18 months. I'd like to say I feel... Uh, yeah, reinvigorated and ready to go after an 18-month sabbatical. But if I'm being honest, the sooner it's over, the better. Yeah, you, <laughs> <laughs> you weren't overly convinced about getting back into the podcast game, were you, Popey? Took a lot of convincing on your part. And uh, yeah, you wore me down in the end. I suppose we'll have very few 
new listeners, I'd imagine. Should we uh, should we say what we do and what we started? I mean, well, first of all, I'd, I'd, I'd say I'd say we're back by unpopular demand, certainly. Quite an accurate statement. I think that might be the tagline for us, mightn't it? Back by very unpopular demand. There's a few been asking for us, lads, to jump back on, talk sports, give a little bit of betting insight. Really? Uh, <laughs> okay, interesting. An handful. Not that our uh, Instagram or social media algorithms would tell you that, like, not the best, are we? <laughs> <laughs> what are we on? Still on 300, is it? Oh, no. Something pathetic. I think we might have to draft someone in on the uh, on the socials run. But yeah, we're a betting podcast, aren't we? A heart, a sports podcast, a bit of pop culture. We kind of run through all the uh, the carnage from the sporting week and and break things down in a in our unique and at times probably unnecessary and unwanted way, don't we? What is this? The, what, what are your plans? Because obviously we have had the sabbatical we've had. Um, I think it was in part we'd started it because. We'd got into our own heads, really, and we, we felt as though we were cursing our beloved Liverpool. And I don't think it's any coincidence that since we have finished the podcast, obviously we had a successful season last season, the, the domestic cup double being the personal highlight for me, highlight of the year, probably. Yeah. Um, so what, what, what are you... Because this is this is much of a shock to me as it is probably to our listeners, this reunion, as you've, uh, you've classed it as. So what are your plans? What are your thoughts? I know you've gone into a little bit of... Uh, a podcast school or some 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 sort of teaching or lessons of some sort. Are you are we back for good or are you just going to monitor how successful this reunion is and just sort of play it by ear? Or what are your plans? What are your plans for me and what are your plans for the podcast? I mean, you want to have this negotiation on on the air, do you? Shouldn't we have had like a private meeting over well, that? Yeah, we were always <laughs> we're always upfront and honest with our listeners, so yeah, why change? <laughs> Uh, I don't know, lad. We've got to get the show back on the road. I think the last time we'd done a podcast, I was probably in the midst of a financial and possibly nervous breakdown, would you say? Liverpool <laughs> <laughs> Liverpool were unravelling. I had a lot of anti-post investments go down the swanee. It was, it was quite the public meltdown, wasn't it, really? I think we needed a little breather on the podcast front, on the betting front. As you say, it did become a bit comical, didn't it? Any bet we put up fucking tonked. Liverpool's form absolutely decapitulated, didn't he? From one of the best teams we've ever seen in the Premier League to, oh my God, an absolute Sunday League team, weren't they? So uh, going forward, I, I don't know what I suppose I've got to throw it back to you. I'd like us to put a bit more output out there, a little bit more social engagement, which we've not always been the best in the past. Maybe get a bi-weekly show back up and run and watch it at Possibly, yeah. Let's just play it by ear, right? I've 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 made no sort of qualms about it since day one. I'm in it for obviously any any sort of financial incentives. So I don't know how long we were doing it for prior, but after a year or two, a creator solo every other month wasn't doing it for me. If I'm being brutally honest, no, not not knocking the sponsors. Much appreciated, our friend John Mullen. But yeah, I'm in it for a little bit more than that. So I'll give you a couple of months, and if there's not a massive turnaround, then I'm out. You're gonna have to look for it there. A, a new partner, I think. Is that it? So I, I'm on probation for a couple of months with the Pope, yeah? I think so, yeah. I just uh, Obviously, I'm a busy man. I'm in full-time employment. I've got two young kids that I spend a lot of time with, so I can't really afford to be spending too much time on this podcast if there's nothing coming back in terms of uh, yeah, finance, whatever, however you want it. Sort of uh, dress up, really. Well, that might be on you as well, my friend. This might be on the quality of the show. Maybe we've got to 
pick it up. We've certainly got to get better on the tipping front, haven't we? I mean, I was looking over. No, I think part of our charm, Steve. No, I think part of our charm is us being as bad as we were, really. I think that's that's part of the charm. I know, obviously, you're trying to sell us as a gambling, a tipping podcast. So, obviously, it's counterproductive us being as bad as we have been in the past. But at the same time, I think there's a certain charm for us being as bad as we are, really. I think the listeners would probably appreciate some winners, though. Do you not? I think we... <laughs> do you honestly think people tune in? The very few people that do tune in, do you think it's for the for the tips, for the gambling advice? Or do you think it's because we're an absolute fucking shit show? Well, I think it's probably more so the last, to be honest. It's mad, Popey, since the podcast went away, you know... I... You always accuse me of being the ultimate aftertimer on this podcast, like, but I've had some joy. I've had some joy on my own Instagram. I've put some bits up. You know, we've had a touch with the LA Rams, the Golden State Warriors, Liverpool on a few fronts. We've done 40 episodes, you know, through lockdown. Did you know that? Our job was a standard thought we'd done about 12. Not bad, you know, not bad. And we had some good guests. That's <laughs> good going, like. We had some good we guests. Did very much so, you know, yeah. world champion boxers, Premier League footballers. This sounds like a fucking eulogy already, doesn't it? It's only our first show back. <laughs> <laughs> sounds like... It's like sort of this is your life, yeah. <laughs> sounds like we've got the violins back. But yeah, it's been it's been a bit of a successful period, um, betting-wise, personally, and it'd be nice to bring a little bit of that to the pod. Starting this week with the, with the tip of the week later on, which we'll get to, but... Yeah, until then, let's have a little let's have a little catch up and, and do our own old thing, eh? and and go through some of the uh, some of the press and sport matters. And first things first, lad, I've got to ask you about. We've always been Sopranos, every haven't we? We've lost one of the greats there, maybe the greatest character of all time, Tony Sirico. Is Paulie Walnuts left us last week? I gotta watch TV to figure out the world. Your average man's shit ass is a fucking sewer. I'll go to the way, you lad. It's a- well, what did I say to you when you messaged me? I honestly, hand on heart, I thought he was dead. I thought he was already dead. And I know that's, that's probably because I'm removed from social media and whatever else, but I actually thought he died a while back, to be honest. And that's not sort of much of a eulogy, given the Sopranos fan that I am, and obviously you are. And we bonded a lot on the Sopranos in the past. And as a character, yeah, of course, you don't get... There's, there's, there's none better, really, probably with the exception of Tony. But comically... Holy walnuts, yeah, it doesn't, doesn't come any better. I think he always reminded me, looks-wise, of an old scouse nan, just an old scouse nan, more so in his latter years, looking at some of the pictures since he's passed. And as I, said, I don't think there's any great surprise that he did pass in the end. I don't know whether he had some illnesses or whatever it was, but uh, in all seriousness, yeah, one of the greats, one of the all-time greats. Bit one-dimensional in terms of his acting, but what you'd expect from a, a former, former mobster that he actually was, it brought a lot of Authenticity, authenticity to the roles he did play, and uh, yeah, big loss. And obviously with Tony dying and uh, and now Paulie, I think that just rubber stamps that there's not going to be a uh, a Sopranos reunion. And we lost another one there, didn't we? Ray Liotta, I think, was in the. F- I still haven't seen the film, you know. I haven't put myself through it because I've heard, I don't know, I've heard mixed reviews. I know, I know, I've heard bad things. But but Paulie Walnut. So so when you say you've heard mixed reviews, I've I've given you fucking my review and it, what you what you'd like to hear as a as a Sopranos fan. So by saying mixed reviews, you've actually spoke to people who really enjoyed it. Some people not re- not really it. enjoyed it, but I think probably people who've gone in with low expectations because the reviews were that bad. You know what I mean? And they've they've enjoyed what they have from it, but. Tony, um, Paulie Walnut's just one of the most quotable on the show or in television history, isn't he? And 
I know you'd clearly had them dead for many years there, as you've as you've confessed, which, know, which is really bad. And that's not me being facetious. It's not me playing up. Genuinely thought he died a while back, like honestly, about five six years ago for some reason. In fairness, though, in fairness, Pope, he hasn't looked good in you know reunions and to quote Paulie, one of his lines to Tony, you know. He give this guy a golf club, he'd probably try and fuck it come to mind, you know what I mean? <laughs> I, I think he was suffering. I think what do you was... think that's quite up for Paulie in his later years, yeah? Well, he was living in Florida and suffering, suffering a bit of dementia and whatnot. Oof, Maron, he looks terrible. Yeah, an absolutely tremendous character. And as you say, yeah, I, I just don't think you could do, you couldn't do a Sopranos reunion, could you? Show-wise, there's no way, but no Tony, you it doesn't really go. You've still got the likes of Chrissy, Uncle Junior, just about probably hanging in there. But your main characters have, have drifted away, and I, I think I think that kind of rules it out, doesn't it? Do you know what we've always said, and the reason for our love for The Sopranos more so than anything is obviously the strong casting and the strong characters as well. But I think two of the strongest are probably Tony and Paul. Yeah. Mm. So obviously, God rest their souls. But there's not going to be a reunion when they're not there. Yeah. So. Salute. Yeah, I salute. We'll soon, the next time we're out, and uh, it's a big loss, isn't it? Absolutely. Let the spinning wheel glide, doesn't he say about John Sacramone? He's <laughs> <laughs> probably most quotable. Some of the stuff he's come out with is absolutely fantastic. Uncle Junior runs him close, like he's got a, some absolute zingers, hasn't he, Junior? But... Uncle, you mentioned Uncle Junior there. Is he not stuffed there? Is he still alive? No, he's still alive. Yeah, he's still going. They're all still going, really. We've lost Philly Phil Atado. Frankie Vincent went a couple of years ago, but. That? The show will be peppered with Paulie Walnut quotes. I can imagine I'll be, uh, I'll be oh, ripping. Oh yeah, and rightly so. I'll be ripping through some 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 sound bites. What about Wimbledon then, Popey? Should we move on to some sporting? As we are a sport and betting podcast, shall we get on to the? Uh... Well, I was. We can do, but I did want to touch on something because obviously you've mentioned in there King of the After Time and that you are just in brief. You mentioned during the last whatever 15, 16, 17, 18 months that we've haven't been doing this. You've you've had it. You've done a one eighty. On your gambling, any other sort of, uh, it's certainly been an eventful 18 months. Well, anything else of notes that you want to mention or you want to share with the, the listeners? I mean, there's, well, there's been all sorts going on in the world, hasn't there? There's been a, you know, war in Europe, a fucking crypto crash. Boris has been bounced. Yeah, you know, we've been doing bits and bobs and writing a few things. You know, I'm not the most prolific journalist, I'll bang about it. An article out every fucking two months or something, but yeah, yeah, things have been all right, Popey. Yeah, life's back to a, a little bit, little bit of normality, I think. What about yourself? All of the things you've mentioned there, yeah, it's certainly been an eventful uh, sabbatical. All the things you've mentioned there certainly pale in comparison to a little story you've got for yourself, which I think you're familiar with, but certainly the listeners won't be. Me car going in for a service. Do you remember that one? I don't think so, no. Oh, shit. Yeah. You must know this one. Yeah, yeah. You're not Brandon well, well, Falone waiting outside, aren't you? <laughs> no, a no, 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 no. So this is one, just, just something to share, a little funny one, because it's not something I've shared on the podcast before, given that we've uh, we've been off for as long as we have. So I think it was about just over, just over a year ago, maybe last June, my car went in for the service. Lovely car, Volkswagen Passat, and it was a company car. So I always pay a little bit extra, given that it goes on my company credit card, of course, for the car to be picked up from my house. So anyway, he picked it up, as as they usually would. Um, drove it to the garage, just on the dock road. And then it goes in for a service. And anyway, I got a phone call that afternoon. 
picked it up. Hi, can I speak to Mr. Pope? Yep, speaking. Hi, Mr. Pope. It's Gary from uh, Oxfagan and Liverpool. Hi, Gary. You're all right. So I've got a bit of bad news for you. So I'm thinking, all right, okay, what's the damage? I was expecting there's something to be wrong with the car. Yeah. Radio problems or something. Of course, yeah. Paying me company car, the car, no problem. So I was like, all right, okay, what's the damage then, Gary? And uh, he hit me with, uh, well, I'm sorry to say your car's been hijacked. <laughs> hijacked? I mean, it, is it a Boeing? Well, with it's a... like sort of Air Force One. I was going to say, with a Taliban outside on the dock road? or <laughs> You'd know. Um, yes, yeah, so, oh, it's not something you'd expect to hear. So I didn't know whether it was a bit of scouse humour. Your car's been hijacked, so I was like, all right, okay, yeah. And he went, no, seriously. And I was like, wow, what's happened? So anyway, my car had gone in for a service and then passed its service. And then as part of the sort of overall customer experience, what most garages or dealerships tend to do nowadays is once your car's been serviced, they'll then valet it basically and they'll include it in the price. Yeah. So it passed its service. It was getting valeted in the dealership. Next minute, the valeted, some, some lads bounced into the dealership according to the CCTV, at least not that I've ever seen it. The valet has been racked out of the car oh, and some lads just spun off in my car, basically. The oh, car's been stolen during oh, a wow. car service. Wow, that's a pussy pump and zero job, that, isn't it? Well, it was just, it was mad. And he said, hand on heart, I've been here for 15 years. It's never happened before. Inside job, potentially, or what? Possibly. Well, that's what I think. And anyway, so it went through the insurance. I'd mentioned that our Louis PlayStation 5 is in the boot his bike and what have you, because he was staying in his nan. So I got a decent yeah. I got a decent compensation claim, which I put down as the deposit for my next car. And so I bought my new car. It wasn't a company car, but you get a personal car allowance, so that's fine. So anyway, me Tigan, which is outside, pride and joy, absolutely love it. So a month later, me Tigan's parked on the street outside my house in Broad Green. We're getting the bathroom done. I'm just in the house working away and what have you. One of the workies comes in, Said, lad, your car's just been crashed into there. Oh, fuck off. I didn't know I this, like, you know. You didn't know this one. So I was like, what? No. So anyway, I've gone outside and then there's a car with nobody in it, literally embedded in the back of me brand new Tigan, Tiguan, however you pronounce it. But there's no one no, no one there, like literally. So we're trying to figure out what's going on. We're knocking on all the hours. Do you know who's this car? No, 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 whatever. And about 20 minutes later, somehow fell it. Who's, uh, who's doing a bit of decorating in the road at the top of the streets, come shuffling down and all his overalls and that. Some old geriatric. He'd forgot to put the handbrake on. So it's wheeled and from literally oh, from the top God. of the streets and it's just embedded in the back of me car. Oh, my God, lad. Oh, Jesus. It's been replaced now, I presume. What happened? Did, did he fix it? Was it a write-off or what? Went through his insurance. So, yeah, it's all fixed now. But, like, yeah, I thought I'd share that one because it's quite symbolic, really, given that we are a car crash of it. Of a podcast, so <laughs> a bit of a funny one there to get started. Anyway, did you get where that came from? Did you get any counselling over it? It sounds like quite an uh, quite a traumatic couple well, of Louise incidents. Was Louise videoed me <laughs> from our front room where she was working at the time, given it was locked down, and we'll have to put it on for a bit of content on our uh, Instagram page. Yeah, I wasn't happy. Like, is it you just imploding? Is it? I had him in a headlock at one point. I think yeah, I wasn't happy. Like, <laughs> you've got to learn to deal with that rage, though, Popey. Trouble. Fast Max sometimes gets him into trouble. He's got a point here. 
distracting me when I'm serving in a Wimbledon final. There's no other bigger occasion. You didn't believe me, and then she did it again. And it nearly cost me the game. Okay, but why is she still here? She's drunk out of her mind the first row, speaking to me in the middle of the game. What's acceptable? Nothing is acceptable. Okay, so kick her out. I don't know which one it is. I know exactly which one it is. So tell me, it's the one in the, the, the dress with the, the dogs. one that looks like she's had about 700 drinks, bro. Richard Mee saying, my, my therapist recently described me as the, the Nick Kyrgios of gambling. Very talented, but susceptible susceptible to a meltdown, unfortunately. What, what did you make of Kyrgios at Wimbledon, Pope? I know you were watching a little bit of the tennis. We were texting back and forth. Is he a, is he a gobshite or a, or a cult hero? Do you know what, Steve? As much as I don't like saying this, I'd probably say Kyrgios is the state of tennis, if anything. Oh, you I'd me? say you're, you're more successful in your area than certainly what he is on the course. Oh. I wouldn't say you're the Kyrgios of gambling, yeah, yeah. So, so I'd say you're the most, you're the more infamous of the two, put it that way. Do I think he's the cult hero? Certainly not. I think he's an entitled gobshite. <laughs> um, John McEnroe at least won Grand Slams. Mm. So to quote our old mate Stugot from the Dan Lebertard show, do it in a slam. Yeah, it's, it, it's a fair point. I mean, he's... He's certainly got some psychological problems, hasn't he? To stay on the uh, on the psychosis and the therapy front, he, he's got some issues. But do you not think there's a massive, massive premeditated decision to kind of play the heel? And do you not think a lot of it's gamesmanship to kind of put the opposition off? And do you think without them antics, he would have got as far as he got? One million percent, stay, yeah. I think it's all premeditated. I think it's a facade, basically, in order for him to remain in the limelight. Because clearly his tennis isn't up to scratch. What is he world number forty in the world? Mm. Right, he just got to the to the uh, to the Wimbledon final, his first Grand Slam final on a bye, albeit because obviously Nadal would have beat him in the semis. Um, I don't know. I just think he's a bit of an arsehole. I respect outspoken sportsmen. If you're an elite sportsman and if you're the top of the game, like I said, John McEnroe won Grand Slams. Floyd Mayweather, top of the sport. For a long time, Conor McGregor, top of his sport for a long time. Muhammad Ali. There's a lot of trash talkers in the NFL, like Jalen Ramsey, best cornerback in the NFL. So I respect outspoken sportsmen who have got that much confidence in their ability in the game, and 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 they're outspoken because of that. But someone like Kyrgios, who's won a handful of fucking just irrelevant tournaments on tour, like the fucking Melbourne Masters or whatever. <laughs> But no, I don't really. I just think he's an entitled fucking gobshite, to be honest with you. I'm not a fan, and I would certainly uh, root for Djokovic in the final. Like. Were you pretty surprised at how much Wimbledon, the crowd, got behind him? I think it kind of wore off. I think they were, they were, you know, pretty on his side early doors. I think after the madness with Cispidus, or however, however you pronounce it, I think they kind of sort of started to wane a bit. They were hissing and booing him, shushing him, and that weren't they a little bit in the later rounds. But... As you know, after time and again here, as a Djokovic backer, it was probably the weakest Wimbledon tournament I think I've ever seen. Um, and I think without Kyrgios, would we really be talking about the tournament at all? I think he was definitely good for the tournament's ratings, wasn't he? Just, just going back to your earlier question there, am I surprised with the Wimbledon crowd? No, I'm not surprised. Ever surprised with the Wimbledon crowd? Because very much like Kyrgios, they're all entitled gobshites as well, in my personal opinion. So... I wouldn't look too much into who they're rooting for. 
Uh, I told you that one and I've shared that one on the podcast about the one time he dad went to Wimbledon centre court semi-final Tim Emman Todd Martin and I come on Tim Timmy come on and my dad was like that come on Todd come on so uh, yeah that's my bad memory of, of Wimbledon is it a scout swing Paul is it just a scout swing I know Liverpool and scousers have got a lot of stick recently for going up against against Britain and against the Queen and whatnot. Is it a Scouse thing? Because for me, in general, there's nothing I like seeing more or hearing more than the British sport and public getting their heart broken. They were against Djokovic right yeah. through that tournament. And I, I found that quite, as I say, as a Djokovic backer, someone who invested in him pre-tournament and someone who's kind of, you know, been a fan of Djokovic for a while, I find it quite fucking amazing that they just, they give him nothing. They've given him nothing for years. He's probably the best player who's ever played in front of them. He's probably going to, by the end of it, what was that, his, uh, his sixth title, wasn't it? Or was it his seventh title, wasn't it? Pope on Sunday. Seventh, yeah. yeah. Seventh, ti- feather, yeah. seventh title on Sunday. He's probably going to wind up the all-time champion on Wimbledon. And still, they reluctantly support him. I mean, he was supporting some Italian unknown who'd only played nine games on grass. Jack Sinner, was it? Is it Jack... Cam yeah. Norrie, don't even get me on to Cam Norrie, the Brit who's spent about, what, two and a half years in Britain and all his life combined. <laughs> Cam Norrie, the Tory. Um, <laughs> and it's, it, 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 it was Yannick Sinner as well. Just Yannick Sinner, sorry. We don't, we, we don't agree on many things, Steve, and I think that sort of, that dynamic works certainly on this podcast, although you wouldn't think it, given how few listeners and, and followers we have. Um, but I certainly agree with you that. With that. Couldn't, compl- couldn't agree with you anymore, to be honest. I love it when the British public get the heartbroken. I've always been from a young age. It's told, not by your family, but you're expected as a Brit. It's, it, that's the right word, expected, like to just 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 to root for the British sportsman because they're from Britain. Like back in the days of Nigel Manson and Damon Hill on Formula One, was I was I rooting for them? Not that I was a massive F1 fan, but now it would always be Michael Schumacher in the golf with a roof for Colin Montgomery, Lee Westwood, no, Tiger Woods, obviously. Well, like why would you? And it's like, like I said, from a young age, it's sort of expected that you've, because you are British, you've got a roof for the Brits, not for me. And I think very much it is probably a Scouse thing, because we are sort of refer us to ourselves as the, the, the sort of republic more so than anything, aren't we? Mm. Uh, and we sort of disassociate ourselves, rightly or wrongly, with the rest of the country, the People's Republic of Liverpool. Um, so I think there is a little bit of that in it. But at the same time, I think it shows you've got something about you. If you sort of, if you're not going with the general consensus and you're going with the masses and you're going with someone you fancy with f- for whatever reason, like, do you know what I mean? So, mm. yeah, as I say, we don't agree on many things, but I certainly agree with you on that one. And Djokovic was incredible, by the way, Pope. You know, obviously we didn't have a, a podcast to tip it up, but, you know, I was saying to you, I, I couldn't even understand the bookies' take on it. He started the tournament about four to five, slightly odds on. Nadal was clearly fucked. He's hobbling around the court with half an ankle and his abdomen hanging out by the sound of things he's absolutely goosed the second favourite the Italian dropped out with Covid Andy Murray with his robotic hip was about sixth favourite I think he went out early doors he's absolutely fucked but the bookies didn't move I think the shortest he, you know before his quarterfinal semis when Djokovic was still once to two he was four to six before the quarterfinal it seemed like they were just uh, hoping that he had a bit of a capitulation Djokovic rather than pricing up who his opponents were. It's the weakest Wimbledon I've seen for a while. 
They were trying to get him beat, yeah, I think. But what do you think of my take on Djokovic? Post-Wimbledon post success. Yeah, you've got, you know, an, you've got an interesting stance on Novak, haven't you? What is it? I'll just share it with everyone, yeah. I just think, do you know what? He's probably going to go down as the greatest tennis player of all time. He's done. He's one behind Nadal. Nadal's body is starting to fail in him, whereas Djokovic has, has never looked um, is better, really, in terms of athletically. Um, obviously, Feather is done now. So I don't think there's any doubt in that Djokovic is going to end his career with the most, certainly within the men's game, most slams ever. But for me, I think he's probably ability wise, and I know you didn't like this, just in terms of his ability, like his tennis ability, is, is, is just, just whether that be his, his strokes, his ground game, his serve, and whatever, just the, the, the standard attributes you'd expect to find in a tennis player. I'd say probably top 20 player. But what makes him different and what I said to you, that sounds like him dissing him where I'm really not because I think he's probably, if not the greatest athlete of all time, just in terms of his conditioning, how he looks after his body, his fitness levels, you can't hit a winner against him. You can't hit a winner. And I think his defensive game is a lot better than his offensive game as well because for that reason, you can't hit a winner against him. And it sounds like a, a dig, but I'm sure I'd rather be the best athlete of all time than the best tennis player of all time. I don't know whether not know back at degree. But someone like Federer, I don't think he's got half the ability of Roger Federer. And I know he doesn't care. And I know you don't care because you, you keep backing him. And as long as you keep backing him and he's winning, it's money in your pocket. And I know he won't care if he goes to be the greatest tennis player of all time. I just think ability-wise, he, he's not that good. <laughs> he is that good, but he's not as good as the 21 Grand Slams suggest. I don't think he's an absolute worldy wow. in terms of his just his tennis ability. Novak Djokovic. Is that a match out for you or what? I think that's our lead-off quote, isn't it? Novak Djokovic is not that good. He's not that good. Look, no. you misquote me already. He's not that this good is, at this, tennis. This is one of my gripes from when we used to do the podcast as well. You'd always misquote me. You'd always put words in my mouth, Stephen. I don't like it. I can't have I didn't I, say that. I said he's not that good. I can't have that Novak Djokovic is not that good. He is tremendous. His shots are great. He's got a lot of magic. He's a little bit more. I think he's more of a natural player in terms of shot selection and 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 depth of touch rather than you know he lacks the big massive save, doesn't he? He lacks the big massive power. I think um, I think he's a, he's an excellent player. Yeah, his engine and his energy gets him there definitely. Really, he's so defensively good. He can get to every ball and keep the keep the rallies going, can't he? But to say he's not that good a tennis player. <laughs> No, my, no, my, maybe one of your all-time best. No, no, wait, wait, here's one for you then. He's not as good as the 21 Grand Slam suggests. I'd say he's better. <laughs> I'd say he should have more. One thing I've, one thing I've missed at the from saying how good he is in terms of his conditioning, his fitness, whatever else, how much he looks after himself athletically. I think his biggest attribute is what's being be between his two ears. Yeah. His, his mental fortitude... The amount of times he comes down from turning down, I don't know whether that's as much as his mental strength or the opponent's mm, collapsing. lack of mental... Yeah, collapsing because they know it's coming. They just know it. And I suppose it would always be worthwhile betting him and running because he is likely to drop the first set as he yeah. did in the final. or yeah. Not as often, but drop the first two sets. He always comes back. I, I caught him. So I suppose I, from a pointer's perspective... Back and in running, if yeah. you fancy him. I caught him a little bit in running, you know, he was four to six in the final after he dropped the first set. He was uh he dropped two sets against Sinner, didn't he? And he was thirteen to eight. Even at two sets down, which I know 
but all he's got to do is, is beat a, a relative unknown for his sets on the bounce, which he'd expect he was favourite to do before before anyway. So yeah, it is one to look at that from a betting point of view. Djokovic in majors have a little look in running. Once he goes one down, there's a bit of value there all the time with Djokovic because he does tend to turn it round, doesn't he? So the Ultimate Fighting Championships back in London for a massive fight night at a sold-out O2 Arena. They are absolutely dying to cheer on their own fighters. And when you hear the support, it's almost impossible to not go out there and fight your heart out. Next week, Popey, we've got the UFC back in London, which is good to see, isn't it? Do you know what? I'm not like... Just any combat sports, like boxing. I've, uh, we've, we've discussed, obviously, our issues with the way boxing's going. In recent times, and, and obviously the the sort of the lack of big big fights, and and, and obviously UFC on the contrary is is, is quite refreshing really because because there's always good fights no matter what the card. But it's not something I tend to follow like typically. But I certainly with the the scouts' involvement with the likes of Molly and, and Paddy the Baddy and the emergence of them and some other good young Liverpool fighters on the scene, and not just Liverpool but British fighters on the whole then. Yeah, and I am starting to take more of a more of a watching interest, really. Mm, and I think, obviously, for us personally at the moment, obviously our Johnny Peggy, as he's probably known as my brother yes. on the show, he's been uh, he's been tied in with Paddy now, hasn't he? For a while doing That's little, flying, isn't he? He's doing so well, like yeah, brilliant. Well, yeah, he's done bits with him, hasn't he? Done the BBC documentary, but he's took over his uh, his YouTube channel now with. Uh, in conjunction with Liquid Light, our mate Mo from LA. Hopefully, he'll be having a little listen to this podcast. So, yeah, he's spending quite a lot. He's with him tomorrow morning, I think. He's spending quite a lot of time in camp with him. He's doing his uh, his YouTube vlogs at the moment. I know you've been watching, Pope. You've been enjoying them. Very much so, yeah. How did that come about, today? in terms of... Because I know, obviously, you mentioned he'd done the BBC documentary for Paddy the Paddy. Is that sort of the first time you met Paddy and Molly and... All the words follow, basically, or...? He's always been a fan. I think that was the first time in meeting Paddy on the BBC documentary, part of the Bo- uh, Born to Brawl series. Uh, he's known Molly a little bit longer. Molly was with the Golden Gloves a while ago, uh, she, she, when she was boxing. I think she might actually go back to boxing. At some point, Molly was saying, don't tell Dana White yet, like... But she... well, you won't be listening, I think you're safe there. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I wouldn't imagine he'll be, he'll be tuning in to us, will he? Uh, all right, Dana... <laughs> Any chance? Any chance of a contract, Dana? <laughs> but um, now he's done some photography with Molly and that in the past, and he's done some shoots with Molly. But what had happened is Paddy had took a lad from Barstool Sports. He brought him over from America to do his YouTube channel after his his tour around there. Him and Molly were, were around America, weren't they? And it turns out the lad didn't have a visa to work on it here. He couldn't he couldn't get the employment for it. So. Liquid Light, Mo in LA, a guy who we had a nice piss up with the other week when he was over from LA. He uh, he reached out to Johnny, knowing that he'd worked on him, and, and Johnny's partner in crime, videographer Matty Lambert, and uh, that was it. Yeah, Paddy and that we didn't know who they were getting as a replacement. They were kind of made up. It was someone they knew. It was a scouser, and they've just really hit it off. Yeah, they've they've done some great stuff already. They've had Gary Neville in the gym. Obviously, uh, the recent one, the, the Formula One one, was, uh, was a cracker, wasn't it? <laughs> you need to share that, because not everyone will have, will, have, will have seen that, anyone who's listening. So you need to try and, I don't know, share it, whether it's through Instagram or whatever. It's absolute gold, to be honest with you. And uh, yeah, what was my sort of take on, on that one in particular? It's just great to see, isn't it, really? It's quite refreshing to see... A superstar, which he is slowly becoming, albeit he's only had two UFC fights. 
But just his sort of his social media following and his notoriety in such a short space of time, you can't really class him as a superstar as much as he'd hate that because he's he's so humble. It's yeah. refreshing to see. He's grounded, like, isn't you, he? you wouldn't you wouldn't see Conor McGregor going into the pit lane at Silverstone with his uh, Sainsbury's carrier bag full of bussies, would you? Put it that way. <laughs> did you like that, did you? Yeah. Paddy and his uh, Paddy and his path lunch. What are you now, lad? And from this point on, none of these cameras can get through, so we'll be on Paddy Cam from now. All I've got with me is my Paddy Cam and my Sainsbury's bag with me food in, so I don't eat no shite. <laughs> it's just great, though, and it's great to see how grounded he is and how down to it. And I just hope he never changes, and I'm sure he won't. I don't know Paddy, but obviously, from what I hear through yourself and Peggy, and then from stuff you see as well online, uh, it doesn't look as though he would change, and it's, it's just great to see, and it, I, I feel as though he represents the city really well as well, and he is what he is. Um, it got me thinking, though, when he was taking his buses into the pit lane at Silverstone, do you reckon he's he's more of a just ham kind of man on his buses, or is he uh, does he go down the more vegan route like yourself? What I are you th- thinking? I don't think he's no frills, but he is in camp at the minute, and that was the point behind it, wasn't it? He had to stick to whatever his micro diet was, or... You know, his pumpkin con- seeds and all that yeah, carry on, yeah. All that carry on it looked like, yeah. But it was, as you say, it was refreshing. And not the only one this week. I think uh, LeBron James had a pack lunch, didn't he? At a, at a summer basketball game, by all accounts. They've, uh, they're all going for the for the Roy Cropper out now, aren't they, by the looks of things? That, uh, <laughs> hey, I'll tell you what, they're all, they, they must all follow Paddy. I think he's a trendsetter there. He must have started He it. might be. He might have got something going here. Yeah, I, I remember me mate Andy Ashton, who we've mentioned a few times on the show in the past. He was quite fond of a Sainsbury's bag or a Tesco's bag with his gear in, no no rucksack for uh, for Ashto. I remember we were out in Santa Chipito's <laughs> one night, one Friday night. He'd been chefing, I think, at Nolita Cantina at the time. He had his, uh, his chef keks and a few other little items in his uh, in his Sainsbury's bag. I think it might have been a Tesco's bag. And someone robbed him. <laughs> someone... <laughs> some... Joke's on them, well and truly, isn't it? <laughs> someone nicked his chef keks, yeah, and he was... We we were still up the next morning. It was in the heady days of the tea factory, like, and uh, he was phoning the staff the next day, fuming. Where are me keks? Where are me fucking chef keks? I put them behind the bar. Who's robbed me chef keks? Are these, are these your are these your typical like chessboard pattern Check. black and white checks? Yeah, classic yeah. checks. Yeah, tea stains, soup stains, all over them. Yeah. Yeah, and someone's someone's decided to nab them. Like, and and in fairness, what he changed into, I think, if I remember right, he changed into an uh, an oversized pair of baggy pinstripe suit checks as well. I think he might have been best staying with the checks. To be honest. <laughs> But yeah, Paddy was, was each other, really. Paddy was really mixing with the stars there, wasn't he? Um, our, our mate Tony Moll as well involved. Our, our old mate Tony Moll, who we know, he seems to be part of the part of the fame as well now, doesn't he? Bit of limelight, a good old uh, gambler. What's his relationship with Paddy? Do you know? I know the mates like, but. But we were, trying to, about, we were trying to work this out. I haven't spoke to Tony for a while. He's a, a car dealership. He's at Waver Street Car Centre. And I think he's got his own place now, Tony. And uh, it turns out he just sold a car to Tony's, uh, to Paddy's bed a couple of years ago. And they stayed in touch, really hit it off. And they've just become mates. And Tony's a little part of the entourage now. <laughs> yeah. But I think that's Paddy. If he likes you, you're on board early doors. You know what I mean? And that's that. Yeah, yeah, it seems a bit of a mad one, like, don't it? But there you go. He's enjoying himself. As is Paddy, they seem good pals, so uh, best of luck to the two of them. Looked like he had an absolute Beano down at Silverstone, like, and maybe, uh, did you see the pictures, some of the pictures he got? Maybe Michael Douglas will be joining the entourage. (laughs) 
Who, Uncle Douglas or Michael Douglas? Did Uncle Douglas make it in a little trip to Silverstone? Or are we talking about the Michael Douglas? No, here? no, Paddy had on Instagram, he actually had a picture of him and Michael Douglas. And obviously, for those who never don't seen know... It, you know, never uh, seen that one. Like, <laughs> I, I get it all. For those who don't know, um, my uncle, Uncle Al, quite a regular on the show, isn't he? Uh, really good impressions, particularly... Nigel Farage and his Michael Douglas is uh, is quite tremendous. His <laughs> go-to, like, yeah. Do you think Michael Douglas knew Paddy the... Ba- Surely not. I'm not having Michael Douglas. He, he obviously just thought he was a, a fan of some sort. We'll have to ask. We'll have to ask Uncle, Uncle Douglas if he knew who he was getting a picture with there. Right? Yeah. <laughs> Should we get on... look forward to that one next week, yeah. <laughs> Should we get on to the Keegans of the week? 34 caps. He's not scored. Do you... Now, you know him better than anybody, probably. Do you back him to score quickly, yes or no? Yes. Keegan's of the week when we haven't done the show for 14, 15 months. Well, exactly. Again, for anyone who can't remember or is listening for the first time, the Keegan's of the week had a little tribute to Kevin Keegan. It's basically loud, wrong predictions or just terrible shouts, terrible sporting shouts from the past week. Obviously, we haven't done the podcast for a while, so we've got quite a few historic ones here over the last few months, Popey. I don't know if you're bringing any to the table, but I'll whiz through some of the worst, some of the worst shouts and predictions I've seen over the over the last few months. The first one, Jama Rant, basketball player. He came out last week and said he'd beat Michael Jordan in one on one basketball. <laughs> Is he talking peak Jordan here, or he could beat Michael Jordan now? Either way, he wouldn't beat either version of Michael Jordan. But just for a bit of added context, you know whether he was talking about peak Michael Jordan or. 60-odd-year-old Michael Jordan as he is now. I presume he was talking peak, but I'd fancy Jordan with those red eyes and a cigar in hand, to be honest with you, wouldn't you? Without a doubt, yeah. We've, we've touched on it many times on the show. The most competitive, probably, person of all time, let alone sportsman. Um, so, yeah, I'd fancy, I'd fancy MJ now, even more so than in his peak. But again, that's all just... Just being a bit of a whatever, do you know what I mean? It's 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 clickbait, isn't it? Yeah, really. Remember, we had a similar story with Lamelo Balls dad a couple yeah. of years ago. He said he'd beat some one on one, and that's all it is. You think it is what it is? I, I, ESPN haven't been running with it after because it's just a nonsense story. I appreciate July August is quiet over in America in terms of sports, but. It doesn't even, it's not even worth talking about, really, is it? It was doing the rounds on Instagram and whatnot, but what ESPN have been running with, I don't know if you caught this before the NBA Finals, obviously, we were in the... in the. Oh, hang on, the dog's going. Shut up! We haven't heard it yet. That, that's quite a surprise, isn't it? But yeah. I mean, is your dog still alive? That's another one, yeah, very much in the Paulie uh, Walnuts way of thinking. I thought your dog had died a while back, to be honest, but glad to, <laughs> glad to hear he or she's still with us. No, she's... She's still here. God bless her soul. Like, yeah, she's still going. But ESPN, I don't know if you've seen before the finals, Boston Celtics against the Golden State Warriors. Golden State Warriors were about 8-13, to 13, I think, as short as 1-2 to win the series yeah. once we knew what the final was. ESPN's basketball power index actually were predicting the Celtics had an 86% chance of beating 
Golden State in the finals. <laughs> Golden State won in six. Who loses their job there, Poe? Someone's got to lose the job there. 86% chance of the Celtics winning. Golden State have beat everyone. They haven't faced elimination for the whole tournament. Celtics have just about got past fucking the Miami Heat. Come on. <laughs> What are they calling it? The power index? The power index? Power. Maybe Richie Keyes is behind it. Why? Power. All day long. It's it's basically America. As much as I love the analytics and I like that it's starting to creep into sort of over here in terms of football, it, it, it is too analytical. How have they come up with that number, Steve? 86. It's just literally someone just going... Sticking the finger, yeah, 86 sounds. Yeah, You'd expect someone's head to be on the chopping block for that. Mm. They, got, they got stuffed in six, didn't they? I hope the employers at the basketball power index don't gamble because that could have been an, uh, a tough night in Vegas, couldn't it? Let's stick with the Celtics. I don't know if you've seen this. I think we put this up on our Instagram, one of our few posts recently. Celtics fan got a huge Boston Celtics NBA champions 2022 on his arm, I think maybe in the semi finals, possibly. Massive Keegan, that <laughs> huge Keegan. Maybe he was actually working for the uh, the basketball power index. Who knows? That was again. That would have just been a little bit for notoriety, maybe. Plus, if they do win it in the next few years, he can always have that final number change, couldn't he? That's to right. a three or a four or a five. Do you know what I mean? So I don't know. It's probably not as big. A, it's probably not as big a Keegan as it appears on the surface. Like, what are your thoughts on on the Celtics? I feel like the Celtics chances might have come and gone a little bit. I know they've. It's that coach's first year, isn't it? He's done a great job. Of getting them to the finals. And I know they beat Kevin Duran and Kyrie Evans. Nets swept them in the first round. But, you know, Kyrie hardly played a game, had he? Because of his vaccine status. Uh, Milwaukee were down with injuries. Miami Heat looked like they were absolutely fucking gassed by by game seven. I think the window might be, might be closing. And I think there's going to be a bit of psychological damage on the Celtics, to be honest with you. Especially Jason Tatum. He seems to just go, go missing in big games and big spots. You're back with the Kevin Duran Duran talk, yeah? Durant. How many times do I have to tell you? Kevin Duran. Duran Duran. His, his name is Kevin Annie. Yeah, Duran Duran. Fucking hell. You know, do you know what, lad? I was thinking of that. I was thinking, do I know any Duran Duran songs? No, I don't. But now you mention it, yeah. Classic. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm with you, Celtics. Yeah, I think probably more of a flash in the pan than anything else. I fancy the books over them, certainly, next year in the East. Beyond that. Obviously, the Nets haven't lost Evan yet, the Nets. No, no, no. He's he's opted in, hasn't he? I think that's why uh, Durant is, uh, is looking yeah, elsewhere. He's, he's, he's handed in a, a trade request, hasn't he? It's hard. Until we know where all the pieces land, it's hard. For me, the Golden State Warriors are going to take some beating to repeat. I think... Uh, what, what, what price are you looking at, Steve? About six to one. I've already tied them into a couple of long-term ones again. Let's see if we can repeat. I, I fancy them. I think, you know... Before we went off the air on this podcast, how much were we saying that people have forgot about Steph Curry and not to pat ourselves on the back, but I think people had kind of wrote off the Golden State Warriors, even though Clay Thompson was out for such a long period. Draymond Green's been in and out. Steph Curry broke his fucking wrist, didn't he? A couple of seasons ago when we when we backed them for MVP. I think they can go on a bit of a, a bit of a run here and cement that dynasty. What have you put them in with? You, you said you got them with a couple of other long-term interests. So you're talking multis, like doubles and trebles and what have you? Yeah. And if so that, what have you put them in with? Yeah, a few little ones. I've, I've done the repeat bet. I've took the, the Rams to repeat. I know it's tough to do, but they've seemed to have brought a lot of people back. 
I mean, we'll get on to this when it gets closer to the season, obviously. I've got them tied into all sorts of bets. Boston Red Sox, New York Mets, a couple of different combinations in the baseball. I like the New Orleans Saints in the NFL. Massive long shot. But that is for another... James, yeah, James Winston. That's for another show. I can't see him eat many Ws next year, lads. Honestly, honestly, I'm, I'm telling you. Can't guard Mike's back, Michael Thomas. We'll get to that. That's a whole different show, but... Well, just to backtrack slightly, sorry to interrupt, just to backtrack slightly, these are the same LA Rams that you told me after they won the Super Bowl... Back in February, you could have backed them to not make the playoffs was, this year. Uh, that you've was... done a complete 180 on it, and now you've backed them to win the Super Bowl. Don't get entrenched in your opinions. You know what I mean? Be flexible. <laughs> if you can move, you can move. <laughs> I, I like what they've done. They've brought everyone back. They've brought Aaron Donald back. Stafford will have the, the confidence. I'm not I'm not really backing it. I've kind of, to talk betting tactics, as we are a, a gambling podcast, I'm... It's not really about teams winning, I'm starting to realise. You don't need all these teams to win. You just need them to get deep into a position where you can kind of make money and lay off and hedge. I'm, I'm kind of taking that approach a bit more on the anti-post markets. And I think they're going to have a deep run. I've, I'm more worried. I think I'd be more inclined to think that the Tampa Bay Bucks. I'm going to take him on again, Brady. Don't do it. Um, I think the Bucks might have a, a really difficult year. I think Brady's got one foot in retirement and... I know we've been writing them off for about a decade, or other people have. I think it might be a tough year for the Bucks out of out of all the it's, big. It's mad, though. It's mad to think the Bucks and the Saints are in the same division, and effectively you're picking Jameis over Brady, which is mad. Like, regardless of what like what's happened recently with him retiring and coming back and whatever, I'm also to be picking Jameis over Brady in the same division. Just like I'm also like, I'm like also picking no 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 and no more, more there against Brady. I'm I'm picking a New Orleans. Saints de- defence who shut them down last year. They didn't score a point. First time it's ever happened to Brady, I think. Didn't score a point. They beat them without a quarterback. Didn't score a point. How did they get on last year, the Saints? They just missed did out on the playoffs. They were, in, they were in contention. They lost two quarterbacks, though. They had some fucking... They had Shoulder some, the quarter, yeah. Right. They had some college kid out of Danbury or something, I think. In the last few games. <laughs> but yeah, that's as I say, that's for a whole different show. We'll do a big NFL preview show, obviously, down the line. Um, but let's stick with the NFL for the Keegans of the week. I don't know if you caught this story, Popey. Abby Gile, I think her name is, or Abby Gile. She was Jets quarterback Sam Darnold's now ex-girlfriend. Um, she was trying to internet shame him. She actually made the revelation that Sam had slept with his, with his mum's friend. And that had caused their relationship breakup. She was trying to shame him in public. Absolute backfire. He's become an absolute Twitter hero. I don't think the Jets have had more faith in a quarterback <laughs> since maybe Joe Namath in the 80s, 70s, 80s. He's a New York hero. So again, Steve, is you, is you sort of contradicting what you've said previously? So not only have you just done it with the Rams there... You were massive on every episode, it seemed like, when we were doing the podcast previously, you've gone on about Me Too movements and it's important to empower women and all that. And now you're celebrating this fella because he cheated on his bed effectively. So what's your stance exactly? Because you seem to be contradicting yourself again. It's hard to keep up with you. Uh, I mean, this, you've just got to take this for the comedy of it. You know, it, it's not it's not about him being a hero for cheating on his girlfriend. That that's That's no good. It's the fact that he's had a... A fling with his ma's mate. 
and she's tried to come out. <laughs> she's tried to come out and shame him, and, it, and it's absolutely backfired. I think this this kind of revenge internet going public isn't isn't a great look. And as I say, yeah, the I jo- the, jocks, the story. I did see the story. Yeah, it, it's it's ridiculous, isn't it? Yeah, but yeah, I did have a little bit of a chuckle, like, but again, yeah, no, I, I understand what you're saying to an extent, but at the same time, I would like to be a bit more consistent, like. Okay, okay, I'll keep that in mind. Um, a couple of, <laughs> a couple of Keegan's a little bit closer yeah. to home and, and back to the tennis. I think we've got to just, I think we've just got to nominate and out our John or John the Jedi, as uh, Molly and that call him, our Peggy, <laughs> just, just for being. <laughs> Why? Because he lives in hell. Because he, I think, just because he's very committed and dedicated, and he's got that ponytail, hasn't the Jedi? Hasn't aren't the Jedi's got fucking ponytails? I, know, I always thought I always thought Jedi's were people from the Wirral, like who knows? But, but I'm, I'm sure there's, there's some sort. Of, yeah, yeah. So, so maybe the riff on him without a name. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it went over my head, lad. We have got black bins in fairness. That's why the dogs bark, and those black bins are getting picked up there. <laughs> But yeah, I haven't seen a main role for years, lad. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Peggy is possibly the worst tennis punter and gambler I've ever known. He he got me onto Dennis Shapovalov, is it? Semi finalist last year, lad. I can't get it. And in fairness, he did look on paper a big price, <laughs> hundred and twenty-five to one, lad. It's wide open this tournament. He's uh, he nearly he nearly got Djokovic turned <laughs> over last year. Honestly, he nearly. <laughs> They said like a true failed gambler. I should know. You said that he's possibly the worst gambler. Obviously, I'd give him a run for his money. But like, there never is a sort of truer word being spoken by a failed gambler. Nearly, he nearly beat Djokovic. The warning signs were there, lad, with that very statement. He didn't beat Djokovic. He nearly beat Djokovic. Listen, I drank the Kool Aid. I got involved. I had a, I had a decent go on him. I thought I'd be able to lay off. He absolutely scraped through the first round against the Nomad. Some French nomad, five setter, sweating cobs. I watched the second match and I learned that this was Dennis Shapovalov's, or sorry, the the first round victory was his first win in nine outings. He'd gone out of nine tournaments in the first round. He had absolutely no form. He was dumped out in he was dumped out in four sets in the second round. Absolutely terrible bet. And on the back of this, you've got to remember. I think I told you about this, didn't I? In the French Open final, Johnny rang me. I had like loads of missed calls on him Sunday morning. The French Open on uh, Roland Garros, and he was just absolutely convinced that this is it. Rude, who was playing Nadal, young 18, 19 year old Norwegian, thirteen to two to be the greatest man on uh, ever to play on clay. He was completely convinced that yeah. the price was wrong and Nadal had no chance. How many games did they, did did Rude win in the final? Obviously, it was a straight set whitewash. But did he did he pick up a couple of games? Did he straight sets win? I think Rude. Should we have a look into this? I think Rude won. Did he win four games? Maybe over three sets. It's the fact that Peggy was frantically calling you, lad. <laughs> frantically. So he was convinced, wasn't he? By the sounds of it, he really was. Yeah. He uh, and when I pulled him on, I said, "Okay, now what happened to Rude, lad?" He just didn't have nothing for me. No words. He just shook his head and walked away. Six, six. This could become a segment. This. What Peggy's Peggy's picks? Yeah, or maybe me and Peggy going head to head every week as two failed gamblers, which we are. I make no sorts of secrets about, about like, yeah, I'm, I'm not the best gambler out there. To be honest with you, obviously, 
you uh, you've been doing all right for yourself recently. So yeah, just Peggy's picks or head to head. Peggy v the Pope. Could the, be something in there. The wooden spoon yeah. playoff. Peggy v the Pope. Maybe yeah. Could six, be something in there. I think so. Yeah. Six three, six three, six nil. The French Open final. <laughs> yeah. It's a huge Keegan. Could be Keegan of the year. I'm not for you. Just shook his head. For you when you when you mentioned it to him. No. I got back up from London and confronted him in the kitchen. What happened with Rude Lad? <laughs> just shook his head. So you actually followed him in on it? Hey, yeah. No, 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 I didn't. I actually didn't. I went, what happened to Rude Lad? Oh, okay, okay. I didn't. It was just shuffle over. I that thought it looked, okay. yeah, yeah, shuffle okay. over. I went in on. But yeah, I was going to move on to you, Pope. But you were, you were next up for Keegan of the Week for your tip on Young Alcaraz. We had a long phone call about how you were going to see me as a Djokovic backer in the quarterfinals and, and I should watch me step, basically. <laughs> Do you know what? Double down, which sounds mad because he got beaten the round prior to the quarters. But watch this space, my friend, Carlos Alcaraz. It's an it's a name to look out for. It's 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 not like I'm on an air, I'm on earth and I'm, I get that. He's he's won two ATP titles this year, beating the Dalin Djokovic and doing so. Uh, I think he's top ten in the world. I was having a look at the price because his game similar to Nadal is on clay. Mm. And you think Nadal eventually is not going to win a French Open. You'd think, yeah. obviously, Peggy Phillips will be this year. So I was thinking, oh, wonder what he is for the French next year. I'm sure he's like 13 to 8. You know, Alcaraz for the French. Is he? Next yeah. Year, which is mad. Which, 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 which means there's value in Nadal. So based on that, I'd back Nadal at whatever, 4 to 1 or something. But Alcaraz is 13 to 8. But um, we can go ahead to ahead the US Open if you want in September. I'll go Alcaraz, you can go Djokovic. He's not there. 20 quid. He won't be there. Vaccine. <laughs> not soft, am I? Fucking <laughs> hell, he's trying to get me on the non-runner. The anti-post non-runner fucking market there. <laughs> trying to get an Elgar out of me. Without him even saying to the court. I'm not daft enough to I'm not daft enough to go Australian. And I know we couldn't play in the Australian this year. Because of obviously his stance with the with the job. But who knows in January things may change you in terms so. of restrictions, maybe is. So if he does go in the Australian, I'm not daft enough to go against them in the Australian because hasn't he won like ten Australian Opens or something, Djokovic? Yeah, he's ridiculous. ridiculous. He's a ridiculous player. He's a ridic- He's an absolutely ridiculous player. Like, and... do you want to add to add French Open, French next year? Alcaraz, Djokovic, <laughs> twenty quid. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's do that. Let's let's do a twenty quid bet. Add to add, no problem at all. Yeah, yeah. I'd fancy Djokovic. Yeah, yeah. No problems. Virtual handshake. Look at this shit. TV, stereo. DVD. The fuck's this? Universal remote. Universal remote. Probably wiped your ass barehanded till you came to this country. While we're talking about sanctions and bans, can we move on to another Keegan for the Russian punters? I don't know if you've seen this story, Popey. The Russian punters conned into bet on a fake Indian cricket league. Did you not see it? Nah, lad. It was actually no, set. No. It was, it was set to me, like. It was set up by farmers and and homeless people, apparently homeless youngsters. Brilliant. Um, Brilliant. So listen to this. Listen to this. This is Jordan Elgott on on Twitter. Unbelievable story from India today. A group of farmers and unemployed youngsters have been busted for running a fake Indian Premier League and conning Russian punters into betting on it. The group streamed the matches on YouTube. They took turns wearing kits of Chennai Super Kings, Mumbai Indians, and is it Gujarat Titans? Uh, the, the street. <laughs> so they actually played out the game? They've, they've played out the game, Pope. Yeah, so I'm trying to get my head around this. Obviously, I don't think there's much sporting action going on, is there, in Russia at the moment? Obviously, they're at war. Well, this is what I was going to say. Who's betting on that, Steve? But now you mention it, yeah. Obviously, given that the war's going on and. 
He must be desperate to, 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 to give you any insights into how much money was, was traded well, there, how many people were betting on it. Like, I, I've got more for you here, yeah. yeah. The channel, the stream, would never show a wide shot of the pitch. And crowd noise sound effects were downloaded from the internet and played through a speaker. <laughs> the tournament began. It's amazing. The tournament began three weeks after the actual IPL had concluded in May, police said. Um, despite this, the Conmen managed to reach the quarterfinal stage of their so called Indian Premier Cricket League before police stopped play. Russian gamblers. <laughs> Russian gamblers placed bets on a telegram channel set up by the gang who then alerted the fake umpire using walkie-talkies. Police inspector Bavish Rafford told supporters, the fake umpire would signal the bowler and batsman to hit a 6-4 or get out, Mr Rafford said. Police have arrested four people in connection. So many layers to it, Stace. It's so insane. It's insane. They, they got about four grand in, apparently. They got four grand off these, Russians, uh, off the, off these Russians. As Paulie Warnock says, there's not be any rubles in here. <laughs> <laughs> I've, heard, I've, heard, I've heard of rain stop and play, but I've never heard of police stop and play. That's fantastic, isn't it? Oh, what a Fair story! They should be rewarded, of anything. I think they should be. They should be, you know, maybe maybe get a sports book going in in the village in uh, in India. Seems like the seems like the way forward for them, doesn't it? Is uh, is another one a bit closer to home as well? This is one that uh, Arjun. I know we've laced him, but he, he's nominated a Keegan here. Um, he had a non-scouse Liverpool fan on his way back from Silverstone. Actually, I think non-scouse Liverpool fan on Talk Sports. There's a Liverpool fan saying this, and he's convinced that it wasn't a wind-up. He's saying he can see Frank Lampard it not working out at Everton. Frank getting sacked early. Pochettino getting the job and Liverpool should be very wary when Pochettino arrives on Merseyside. <laughs> well, it's a call. Do you know what? I, I can't believe how gullible your Peggy is, to be honest with you. you. There's been a couple of examples on it of it in the last, what, five, ten minutes. This more so than, than, than Rude winning the uh, the French Open. Obviously, it's a wide up. Of course it is. I'd say, not that I listen to talk sports, but I, I listen to snippets from time to time that come up on whatever, like social media or TikTok or something. And um, yeah, it's it's I'd say 25, 30% of the calls into talk sports are just purely wind up. He's had his pants down there. Yeah, it sounds like Peggy's had his pants down again. Yeah, that's the the last of the batch, as we always say. Get in touch with us. Any nonsense you hear, any really bad predictions gone wrong, any any funny stories like that, get in touch with us at Gambling with the Pope on Instagram or you can give me a shout, Steve Turton, on Twitter. Should we move on to the golf, Popey? Just on that, very quickly, Steve. Go on, lad. You don't fancy revisiting... Uh, my conversations with the Pope, you, you're adamant that you want to stick with gambling with the Pope, yeah? Well, as I say, you mentioned it before, I was on this Guardian uh, workshop and we had to do a, an elevated pitch for our podcast and they thought it was a fantastic name. You know, it tells you what it is, it's gambling, it's your mate Pope. My conversations with the Pope, you know, could be a fucking gospel audio book, couldn't it? I think. <laughs> We might get a few more listeners that way. <laughs> maybe that's the path we should go around. Reformed religious characters, maybe. I want to know how you prepare for a golf tournament. Ah, uh, well, I uh, hit balls maybe twenty minutes, play a little bit, smoke four or five cigarettes, drink three diet cokes, and go to the first tee. Some days I won't even go to the range. Speaking of religions, you know, obviously the uh, and cultures, the, the the Saudis have got involved. 
with the golf, with, with, with the sport we, we love very much, Popey. Um, a Tory sport, as Paddy the Baddy would say. <laughs> you just took the word Rahar out of my mouth, yeah. <laughs> what are we making of uh, of golf at the minute, Popey? It seems in a bit of disarray with the with the Saudis and, and the Live Tour getting involved. What's your take? My first take watching the Open this morning is uh, some of the clobber. I know obviously they're trying to be more inclusive and all that, like, but I didn't expect to see Jordan Thomas rocking up to the first at St Andrews wearing his bird's leggings. Have you seen them? No. no, I haven't even flicked it on yet, to be honest with you. I've, I've got a few uh, got a few irons in the fire and we'll get on to that. Only him, not only him, you've got this English amateur who's wearing a cam, uh, camouflage bucket hat and then you've got Cameron Smith, your mate, who I think you're back this week as well. I think he's like, looks like he's wearing like a bag house of some sort. Looks like more like Glastonbury than uh, the British Open, to be honest um, with you. Yeah, and there's hope, there's hope for our mate Bundy after all. Berghaus on the golf course. <laughs> I, was, I was remember the first time he rocked up at Southport in his North Face t-shirt. Our mate Jimmy Lee couldn't believe it. Reckons it's the first and only time you'd see North Face on a golf course. But here we are, fast forward five, six years. You've got Berghaus, so um, yeah, there's hope for Bundy after all, eh? I think uh, maybe it needs a bit more of that. I think the game does need to be a bit more inclusive. I don't know how those leggings will go down in, in Saudi Arabia if uh, if any of the lads want to wear it on, on those tours. I think <laughs> they, they might, might be frowned upon. But do you know what I'm hearing, Pope? I'm hearing a lot of opinions of people who haven't even watched any of the Live Golf Tour. You know, on podcast, Tony Kornheiser and that, saying it's, you know, it's a terrible thing and it's blood money and all this. Have you actually watched any of the footage? I've had a couple of bets on Dustin Johnson and watched a few rounds. <laughs> of course you have. I'd go as far as to say you were probably the first punter to bet on the Live Tour. That could be a legacy, Steve, nothing else. He shit the bed a couple of times for me, to be honest with you. He was right in contention in the last one and uh, faded away into third. He's been placed like. But format-wise and viewer-wise, it's it's quite lively. Like It takes some getting used to. They all tee off at the same time. All 54 golfers, uh, sorry, all however many there is now, 48, 60-odd golfers, all tee off at the same time. It's three rounds rather than four. Um, there's a kind of a weird team element to it. It's, it's got some teething problems. Like It's not the most easy on the eye. But it's good enough teething problems, isn't it? And from a um, the perspective of a fan of, a, fan of the sport, as I am, as long as it doesn't... I was going to say as long as it doesn't interfere with the majors, then I'm not really asked either way. I've got a massive opinion on it. But that said, I did hear something in the press this week about there could potentially be a ban for any of the live golfers being banned from the majors from next year. Which, if that is the case, obviously that's a shame, but that's just a decision that they'd have to live with, really. I can see both sides of it, Popey, really. I can understand the PGA Tour being concerned about you know, golf completely, the face of golf changing, basically, you know, if if they've got the big money and they take all the big players, all of a sudden golf, professional golf, is a, it's a three-round tournament and everyone's seeing off at the same time. It seems a bit, it seems a little bit nuts. But I do also find it quite laughable, the hypocrisy of the moralistic stance that they've took. I mean, the PGA have had tours in Saudi and they've had oil sponsors for, a, I don't know how long, fucking hell. Shells world of golf and and, and 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 all that, you know what I mean? That, that's that's gone on for for years. But I do think we are getting to a point where you start. I'm starting to realise. I was a little bit of your opinion on you know, maybe a bit of friendly competition, something a bit different to bet on. I think we are getting to a point where they're putting so much money in the Saudis. They're not here to kind of run alongside the PGA. They want to be 
the big show in town, don't they? And I think I think we're going to get to a point where they're going to get together, the majors, and they are going to stop live players playing. Just this week, Greg Norman, former champion, obviously the guy who's, who's organising, he's the president of the live tour, uh, he's won the Open twice, hasn't he? I think it's the only it's the only major he's won. He he's been banned, hasn't he? He wasn't allowed to. He wasn't invited to play at St Andrews this week. I think the uh, I think that's basically that's all they can do really. The PGA Tour uh, is is just ban the players. Whether they've got the power to do so, I'm guessing they probably would have. I don't know what sort of contracts have been signed with Live Golf and and and, and sort of from a legality standpoint. I don't know. Well, what they can do in order to prevent players from playing in the majors, but given they can't compete on the financial front with live golf, I think that's all they can do really, at least threaten a ban of any of the live golfers from the majors, because I think that would probably make you think twice, especially as a younger golfer, who's probably not necessarily starting out, but someone in the 20s, 30s, mm. who's got a lot of good years ahead of them. I don't think it would have much of an impact on Mickelson, who's won his majors. He's not really good at contending majors anymore. But certainly, yeah, the, the, the younger golfers, it probably make them think twice, regardless of, obviously, the financial incentive of going over to the tour. So I think that's, from the PGA Tour standpoint, that's all they can do, really. Tiger Woods was talking a bit like that this week. He was kind of hinting at it, that, you know, he can see it where, like, exactly what you're saying, the likes of Oosthausen and Dustin Johnson, people who've won majors, who are on the Saudi tour now, doesn't really affect them, but you know, there's there's young amateurs who've who've gone right into this live tour. There's young players who've only played, you know, a year or so on the PGA. If they can never have a chance of winning a green jacket or winning mm-hmm. majors and, and going down it in golf and history, it really does yeah. probably change your opinion, doesn't it? Or is it just work and you take the biggest paycheck that's out there for you? It's tough. No, I think a lot of these young golfers. The reason you get into sports is 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 to sort of is to win win things ultimately. And iconic tournaments such as the Open and the and, and the Green Jacket, if they're to be told that they're never going to have a chance of winning anything like that, then I think that would result in them going back to the PGA Tour. To be honest with you, but it'll be interesting to see how it plays out on the young amateur players. Is it being reported as to what they'd be earning by going over to the Live Tour? Because I know some of the higher earners and the more recognised names, I know that's being reported, like C.A. Mickelson's and what have you. Has it been reported as to what the sort of the younger players or the less known players or the player, players lower down in the world golf rankings? Has it been reported as to what they'd be earning? I'm sure. The golf tour? I'm sure you can look into it. I haven't looked into it myself. I know Greg Norman's reportedly getting fifty million a year. Do you think he's asked about a week in Scotland? When he's getting fifty million a year, <laughs> where did where did probably? What's he getting fifty? Is it just to be an, just to be an ambassador, basically? Well, he's like the organizer, isn't he? He's like the president of it. He's he's reaching out mm-hmm. to golfers and whatnot and convincing people to come over. A bit of scouting, fifty million a year. I don't think he's asked about being fifteen over par on Friday and missing the cut at St Andrews, is he? Let's be honest. Oh, your boys! I got neighbors. Fuck your neighbors. When you're gonna pay me? When you suck the money out of my ass. Now get the fuck out. There's not much to bet on this weekend. I'm presuming the solo tip of the week will very much be be golf heavy, will it? Just before that, just do a little read from our sponsors. Our long-term sponsor, isn't it, Popey? The Soho Juice Co. Here's a couple of words from then. As we all begin to move away from fizzy drinks and single-use plastic, Soho is a cool and contemporary still soft drink. Never more than 50 calories. Preservative, gluten-free and ve- vegan certified, which is always good, Popey, as we know. 
The drinks come in 100% recyclable bright and bold cans, adding a little brightness to everyone's day. You can pick them up in Sainsbury's, so Paddy the Baddy. Next time he's getting a Plazzy bag, he can uh, pick a couple of Soho's up. <laughs> WH Smith, and you can get them online. Have a look at Soho Drinks Co on Instagram. They've been good sponsors to us, haven't you, Popey? They have, yeah. Obviously, it was tongue-in-cheek what I had to say at the start. Uh, you probably added that out, actually. Uh, <laughs> but no, yeah, well. very much so. Long may continue. So let's hear your picks then, Popey. I'm taking it to golf. I've actually already put them up on Instagram. I've put our two main picks up because this was never going to be out in time okay. for the open start. And so I, I've put so mine no one up. Seen, so no one's seen it then? No one's seen which? You put it up on the Instagram oh. page so no one's seen it then. <laughs> um, <clears throat> I think more will see it than they'll hear it probably. I, I'm not old now for, for great ratings on our first one back podcast. Wise. I'm not. Do you know what? And it might be the, uh, the straw that breaks the camel's back. Yeah, we got like 20, 30, whatever. Um, I'll keep it concise because we've very much overran here, Steve. Go on. You, you promised me, yeah, we'll keep it nice, whatever, yes, bite-sized. What are we on an hour and a half losing the will to live here? Mine is, just from a value perspective, Dustin Johnson. Don't particularly like him. Really like his bird. And we were talking about leggings earlier. I'd much rather see Pauline Gretzky done in those white leggings again as she did in August a couple of years ago when he won, rather than having to look look at JD or JT rather in his bird's leggings on the first at St. Andrews. Anyway, Dustin Johnson, value bets, 28 to 1. I was speaking to you about this the other day. Backtrack 12 months ago. What would you have got him for majors? I don't know. Maybe not single figures, but certainly around 10 to 12, 12 to 1. Yeah. So we just think there's there's a bit of juice in that price, really. I'm not necessarily, necessarily saying he's going to win, but at 28 to 1, I'm, I'm certainly willing to have a couple of quid each way to find out. Especially with 12 places, Popey. I think you can get them bigger. I think you can get them 40 to 1 with less places. But as we always say, Take the shorter price, take more places if you're going each way. I think it's it's definitely the way to do it. And 12 places is, is quite outstanding. I've put Cantley up, the same, Patrick Cantley. I actually backed them winning mm. top 10 not so long ago, about three weeks ago. I caught a bit of 40 to 1. And I backed them in the Scottish Open each way at 25s. He's really coming back into form, Cantley. Former FedEx winner. I know you have your criticisms doing in a major. He hasn't won in a major yet. Last week in Scotland, he was so unlucky, lad. He teed off in terrible conditions in the afternoon on the Thursday. On the Friday, same again, pissing down wind, and he was level par. He went on a great run on the Sunday. I think he, he I think he was five under on the, on his front nine. He got to within one of the lead, just ran out of holes a little bit. Shelfley won. I think he finished third, Cantley. So I think it's twenty to one. He doesn't see off till this afternoon, but it's probably not going to be out before then, the podcast. I've got a stable. I've got Cameron Smith. I've got John Ram, and I've got Patrick Cantley. But I do think Patrick Cantley is my me, uh, me best chance of winning. Like. You might have picked the wrong horse, CST, because um, Cameron Smith, you just mentioned there, he's doing pretty well. Four under through 14. Okay. Well, that's so, good, yeah, as long as he's up there. McElroy's doing well as well. To be fair, McElroy's second, four under through seven. I'm not too familiar with the lad at the top of the leaderboard. So you might have picked the wrong goals. I could probably see Cameron Smith going closer than Cantley, but well, I'm not, I'm not gonna so, cry I'm not gonna cry any, I'm not gonna cry any tears if Cameron Smith yeah. if Cameron Smith wins, am I? You know what well, I mean? exactly. But it would be nice to land the first tip back. We need to shake this jinx and this podcast case that has that has held us down for so long. and I think maybe hopefully our first one back if one of us can get a winner by the way you're backing against yourself you know Popey I hope you haven't forgot about our 200 quid bet between Dustin Johnson's majors and Bryson DeChambeau are you looking to cover a little bit of that are you? 
<laughs> I was hoping you'd forgotten about that. It was 100 quid, wasn't it? I think it's 200, lad. I'm pretty sure I've got it in the book there. Yeah, just say, you, you might have to go through the archive and find out. I'd say 100, mate. Price to the Shambo was absolutely flying. Oh, is he? There. Oh, well, there you go. There's a bit of hope. Yeah. Is, this the la- is this the last major in the best as well? Oh, fuck off. Okay. <laughs> oh, here he is. Okay, Sam. Well, yeah, so that's about it then, Popey. Good luck with your golf. I hope you enjoy it. I hope you've enjoyed your first one back. Um, I love losing money, mate, yeah. 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 So um, I'm sure I will. To our listeners, as always, reach out to us at Gambling with the Pope on Instagram. If you get a second, if you can rate, subscribe, leave us a little review. We're actually doing really well on, on the ratings still. We've got about 19 ratings. We're about 4.9. Had some really good reviews. Um, if you think we're shit, send us that as well, you know. It's all good content, isn't it? Yeah, we're quite self-deprecating, really. So, yeah, and who knows, Steve? I might see you in a week, two weeks, 15, 16 months. Two weeks I'm open. I'm at the. I'm going to be in London next week. Our John's filming with Paddy and Molly. Hopefully we'll catch up with them, get a little bit of sound. Hopefully I'll be at the fight next week as well. So we'll do a little bit of a review show on UFC London, eh? Sounds like a plan. Sounds like a plan, yeah. Take it easy. All mate. right, Popey, ta lad. Take it easy. See you later. ta if I don't see her each day, I miss her. Gee, what a thrill each time I keep on. Hello. Hello. Come on. Come on. Come on. What the fuck? Why is this your song?